listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Before I get into my word, uh, everybody looks so pretty. I say that because you're supposed to say back. My, my wife tells me, you know, don't joke around with people that you don't, because they don't know you. They don't know if you're joking around or you're being serious. Uh, but that last remark, I was being serious now. <laughs> um, before I get started, I, I want to take care of some business. Um, there are some people here um, in this building tonight that I would like to um, honor and recognize people who have impacted my life throughout the years, throughout my 48 years of serving the Lord. Um, the first one I want to start out with is Ms. Lucy Dudding. If you don't mind, please stand up or raise your hand. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. Sitting to um, her left is Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin uh, was my pastor for 17 years. His lovely wife, Miss Tammy. Raise your hand, Miss Tammy. They, uh, they helped mold and, and guide my kids while they were growing up in this church, and I really appreciate you. I have a uh, man of God sitting over here with a black hat, um, Kevin Lowe. Uh, Kevin Lowe, just give him a hand, honor him, okay? He does a... Um, he does a tremendous work in, um, in Clearwater, raising men up, calling men to repentance, and set, setting them in the right path. I believe that the next great revival, before we see the, the next great revival in the church, we're going to see the next great, great revival of what God intends for the family. Before that can before that can legally happen, God, we need to see the revival that can happen that is going to happen in men's lives, where men are called back to repentance and they're called back to stand in the authority that God um, has designed them to stand in. As, as when I was a youth pastor, the most, and I say this lovingly, I'm not I'm not saying this to be critical. But by the way, this is my lovely wife. She doesn't like doing this. Uh, she's real shy, but I bring her up here because it makes me look better when she's standing next to me. This, this is my, my vine spoiler. I call her my vine spoiler. You got to think about that, right? Sila. The reason I call her that, and, and most of you guys who have been married for at least two years, you're going to understand this, is because Solomon says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Mm-hmm. A lot of y'all are getting that. Some of you are going to be driving home, getting, oh, I know what it is, and then start laughing, right? And so how does she do that? You know, like, for example, I'll get up here, I'll do a teaching, or I'll preach to some church that doesn't know me, first time there or whatever, and, and, and then I think I did great, right? I get lifted up in pride, and then we, we be driving home, or we'll be at the restaurant, or we'll be at home, and she say, you know, that was a little out of line, what you said. <laughs> Vine spoiler, right? It's, it's, it's like, I wish he was here, but he's not here, Pastor Gio. It's like when his wife gets up on the pulpit and says, my, my husband really wants to be an NBA star, but he's too short, right? Vine spoiler. So, you guys are getting it, right? I got a different take on the, one, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Um, but uh, I'm so grateful for my wife. Um, I've always said, and I've said for years, behind every anointed man is a praying wife. And a surprise mother-in-law. <laughs> right? But, um, yeah. I love you. I love you very much. And um, I can't look at it because my heart goes and then I can't think straight. There's another couple that I, let me see, let me look around. There's another couple that I would like to recognize that are in the building that has really, really impacted my life. Um, I told them not too long ago that um, in large part, I am who I am because of them. Um, and maybe I shouldn't be saying that until you hear me preach. But anyway, I'm saying it ahead of time. 
the most holy Reverend Rick Tosca and his wife Iris, please raise your hands. Thank you guys. Am I, am I missing anybody? Do you, do you want to say something? Okay. You sure? You, you, just hello? Positive. Okay, she's positive. Just pray. Just pray. I usually at this point ask, you can go ahead and get you seated. Daddy's going to go to work. Okay, I love you, honey. <laughs> at this point, I usually, I usually ask the audience, um, the congregation, do you want me to minister out of my anointing or do you want me to minister out of my notes? Thank you. I'm going to do both. I, I like to laugh. I like to, two things I like to see people, I, I like to see people scared. You know how when somebody, those videos they hide behind, around the corner. I know I'm sick. I know. And I like to see people laugh just like the way you guys are doing now. I love to see people laugh. But just pray, just pray. Okay, thank you, Lord. I've, I've, I've got a, mm, mm, hallelujah. And just forgive me, some people, when the Holy Spirit gets on them, they, they shake, they quake, they laugh, I cry. That's the way I'm wired, so just forgive me. Mm. Pastor Marcus, will you and your wife stand? How long have I got, Tyler? Okay, I promise I'll be done before 3 o'clock. I promise that. Let me read a scripture that I believe, Pastor Marcus, the Lord put on my heart for you and your wife. And, and it's out of Isaiah, a very familiar scripture, Isaiah 54. But I believe the Lord wanted me to proclaim this over you and your wife and verse 2 it starts enlarge the side of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out do not hold back lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep for you will spread out to the right and to the left and your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities. And, and, and I challenge you, Pastor Marcus, along with your wife, when you go home, do a, break those words down. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that God is going to move you on. You'll always be here because you're, 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 a solid, um, you're a solid pillar here. But he's going to stretch you. And, 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 and you're probably wondering right now, Lord, how much more can I be stretched? How much more do you want? How much more can I give? How much more are you requiring out of me? But God says, and, and did you notice that? It, it didn't say that God is going to stretch out your tent. It says for you to do it. A lot of people are waiting for God to do something that, you know, that they know needs to be done in their life when they sit back and they're waiting for God when God is waiting on you. God is wanting you. You know, the, the, a, a lot of things that are affected in heaven takes place first on the earth. Mm -hmm. It does. I can give you a lot of examples. The windows of heaven. The first time that we hear about the windows of heaven is in, in, in the ark, Right? But it says that the, the fountains of the deep were opened first. I'll get back to you in a minute. The, the, the fountains of the deep were opened first, and then the windows of heaven were opened. Something happened on the earth first, and then it affected heaven. And you are doing something on the earth that is affecting the heavens. The windows are open, and the windows have not been shut. No more than the veil has been sewed back together. The windows are open. Malachi, we hear about the windows of heaven. If, if, if you give, then I will open the windows of heaven. Something that we do here opens the windows of heaven. 
So the words that you proclaim, the words that you pray, the words that you declare on this earth and in this place, I'll just give you two of them. The, 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 these are notes that I jotted down real quick this morning. The, the word there, stretch your tent curtains. The, the, the word curtains is from the word yarad. And, and you know, the Hebrew, the Hebrew paints a picture. And yarad means to tremble. Sort of like when the wind, you're going to get this. I know you're going to get this. Sort of like when the wind blows on a tent, you know how it trembles, it shakes, and God is saying, prophesy to the Holy Spirit, prophesy to the wind, and, get, and let the terror and let the fear of the Lord shake the people and make them tremble. That, that probably might have sounded strange to, one of, to some of y'all prophesied to the Holy Spirit. But you, do you know that Ezekiel was told to prophesy to the Holy Spirit? Prophesy to the wind. That word wind there is ruach. Ruach dabar is the Hebrew phrase there. Yeah, I can't do that because then I'll spit something out. If I go ruach. The, the, the words, the word cords, lengthen, lengthen, lengthen your cords. It's from, the, it's from the Hebrew word, yathar, to abound, to be over and above, to be left, or that which is left. Painting a picture of what, when you extend your tents. Uh, can I go here? A lot of times, I've, I've been... I've been walking in the prophetic for over 40 years, and um, a lot of times I'll do this, what I'm doing over the mic, because what I'm saying to this person, you know, uh, the Bible says this, that, that, that prophecy is for no private interpretation. You might, be, you, you might, you might get something for what I'm, th I'm prophesying to him and to his wife and to his family, but there's something in there for you. Don't miss it. Don't start, you know, looking at your, at, at, at your gadget, that, that little computer that we use for a phone every now and then. The, you know, listen to what the Spirit of God is saying because there's something in there for you. And, 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 and the, reason, the, the reason you don't hear me prophesying very often is because that's not my job. Hello. Walking the prophetic is not, it's not my responsibility to give you a word. Walking in the prophetic is my responsibility to give you an ear. I would much rather give you an ear than give you a word. Teach you how to listen to God. It's just like when I'm preaching. A lot of times I'll, I'll say something and somebody will wait till after the service and they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, that, that, that little thing that you said, that little, th that little phrase that you used, um, it really pricked my heart. It really set my heart in fire. Did, will you explain? Will you expound that to me? And my answer is always no. You, you can go ahead and sit down. I'm sorry. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much for your service. No, I'm not going to. The Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's that same word that I used a few minutes ago, matter, the bar, to conceal the word. And it's the glory of kings to search him out. And I am depriving you of a glory in your kingsly state by me trying to explain to you what, what you felt in the Holy Spirit. Instead of you going out and you search it out. I will not deprive you of that glory. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't mind if you come and ask me what I meant, you know, and as long as you don't mind me saying no. <laughs> right? Brother, I don't know you. What's your name? Yes, yes, yes. Michael and Elizabeth. Let's let, pray. Pray with me. Pray with me, saints. Check up, Papa Santa, Papa Tashata, Papa. Papa Santa, Papa. Santa, Papa Tashanda,
God brings us through different seasons. And I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes to the congregation, but I really felt led. You, you are in, in, it feels like you, in, to you personally, like you're in, to, in the winter of your life. And that's okay for you to go to the different seasons. But just because you're going through the winter of your life doesn't mean that you should not bear fruit in the winter of your life. Having said that, let me read over you, over the both of you, Michael and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. That's a great name. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stands in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruits in its season. That's a bad translation there, in its season. Actually, what it says in the Hebrews is in every season. And that's where I got that from. You will bear fruit in every season. Prove it. The very next, word, the very next verse says, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Go home and, and read that and meditate, the both of you all. You, 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 will bear, you will bear fruit even in the winters of your life. Even in the struggles, you will bear fruit. Don't let the seasons of your life cause you to be fruitless in your walk with him. Amen. Amen. Everybody's probably saying, what's he going to do next? Read out of my notes. I told you I was going to preach out of my notes, right? That was my anointing, now out of my notes. Because I do, I, do, I do believe I have a word for this congregation. And if you're here, if you're here from another church, God bless you. And I hope that you get something out of this that will help your walk with the Lord. But there are some things that, I, that are happening in the earth right now. The thing, the, the thing with the prophetic is that we have a tendency of saying God is getting ready to do or God is going to do or God is, as, you know, Plant City talk, God is fixing to do something, right? But we have to get to a point to where we're bold enough say, to say that God is doing something. Enough with the God is getting ready to do. When's he going to do it? I'm 66 years old. I got maybe 50 more years. I ain't got time to play around. I'm serious. I don't have that much time. These 66 years have gone by like it was nothing. 50 years is a lot drop in the bucket. So uh, we need to see God moving now. You know, Peter didn't wait for there to be 3,120 people to be saved right after Pentecost for him to stand up boldly and say, this is that with 120 people. Are you kidding me? 120 people and you're going to quote the prophet Joel? 
This is that. And we have to raise up as a people of God with the courage and with the conviction that this is that. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind a chicken bone amen every now and then, okay? I, I, I've got a word, and, I've, and, and, and I'm trying to lead into it. That's why I'm trying to make you laugh, trying to soften you. It's, it's those softening blows. You know, that's like a boxer. You know, you do those body, body punches, and then you go for the knockout. <laughs> it's just like the rabbis used to do when they used to, they used to make their students um, Eat the word, literally eat the word. They put, they put honey on it to make it go down. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting honey in your mouth, okay? Because I've got a word, and, and I've got an assignment. Pastor Gio gave me an assignment before he left. And it has to do with, you know, every, every single ministry that I am involved in, that I am aware of, that, 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 that I am in, in, in communication with on a, not really a daily basis, but pretty often, is going through a stage of great transitions. If they're getting ready to do something great for God, they're going through some stage of transition. Some, 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 something in their ministry is, is, is transitioning them into something. But see, the problem is, is that we cannot, we cannot allow God or we cannot expect God to bring us out of something, transition, if, if we're not willing to go into something. Yeah, if, if you're going to come out, you got to go in. You got to go into something. I believe that's why a lot of these rehabilitation centers are not very successful because they focus on getting people out of something but fail to put people into something better. And when you're going through a transition, you might be going through, through family, uh, your marriage is going, you, you know, in my house, all my kids are leaving. They're getting married and they're leaving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're going through something in your relationship, at work, at, with relatives, with friends. You're going through some transition. But we can't get stuck in the transition. God might be bringing you out of something and delivering you out of something. But he expects you to go into something that is better than what he brought you out of. It's like it's 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 like the 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 lady that that comes out of a, uh, a out of a, a abusive relationship and 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 he, she goes back and 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 gets involved into the same kind of man that she just left behind. Because we don't know what we like, we like what we know. Ooh, I'm going to say, yeah, that, that, let me say it to this side. We don't know what we like. We like what we know. Mm -hmm. we, 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 you, you know, before, before Pharaoh was a type and shadow of the devil and before Egypt was a type and shadow of hell, Egypt was actually a deliverance. But what happened? They stayed in their deliverance too long. You cannot stay out of your deliverance or you cannot stay in your deliverance for too long. You got to move on. Come on. You got, I, I, I tell my spiritual sons there all the time, you know, I know you came off of drugs and I know you came off of, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of perverted stuff. And when you get up and, and, you know, when you get up and share your testimony, yeah, and we do this. The church has been known for this. We get, we'll have testimony night where everybody gets up and, te and testifies. And they'll spend five minutes tell them how, how, how bad of a life they lived. And then, you know, 30 seconds in, but I thank God that God delivered me. And they sit down. The greatest part of your testimony is not that you, what God brought you out of. The greatest part of your testimony is what God brought you into. So share your testimony once, two, three times. But after that, move on. Read it, read it, read the epistles. How many times did Paul share his testimony? 
That's what I thought. If God is bringing you out of something, he's got to take you. You've got to be able to go into, into something else. Between coming, I wrote this. Between coming out and going in is always a wilderness. Every single time. Not the majority of the time. Not sometimes. Always. 100% of the time. Between coming out and going in, there's always a wilderness. And it's in the wilderness that you learn how to bury people. And I, know, I don't mean to be morbid. And I don't mean to be cruel, but the, the, the sad fact is, is that I would love for everybody that started with me, end up with me. But the sad reality is that they're not, you're going to have to learn how to bury people along the way. People are not going to go with you. As much as you love, you love them and you pray for them and hope that they um, open their eyes or whatever. You ever stop and think how many how many funerals that Joshua and Caleb went to? How many neighbors, friends, kids that they grew up with playing, spinning dreidels? Neighbors, cousins, aunts, uncles. There's always a wilderness. Another, 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 because this church, I've seen in the past year, I've seen this church go through such a drastic transition. And it seems sometimes like we're going through a winter. But you got, I, I wrote this. Where is it? You got to shake yourself out of the shock of winter. You got to shake yourselves out of the shock of winter, brother. Shock, what does shock do? Shock is something that your body goes through to keep you from going through more pain. The problem is, is that no one has ever died from pain, but thousands of millions of people have died of shock. So you, gotta, you, 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 gotta, you, you go through some shocks. They're not here anymore. They're not following the Lord anymore. What happened? We, 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 we got a work to do. And we, get, we can't get stuck in what happened in the winter. I, I preached two weeks ago in a church in Austin, Texas. And I preached this same sermon that, 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 that I'm referring to right now. This is not the word that I have for you guys. I hope I have enough time. I think I, I don't look like I'm going to have enough time. But I went into more detail about transitions. And a church that we're involved with, with in uh, London, England, heard the message. And they messaged back to pastor of that church and said, that was what our congregation needed. God is good. Here's what, another thing I wrote. We are coming out of winter, but coming into a time where things are beginning to bud. Maybe not all things are blooming, but something is. The thing about small beginnings, we got, we, we got to not forget that they're beginnings. And not focus on the small. God is getting us ready by causing us to be less dependent on things we are dependent on while going through the winter of our life. I want to talk to you very briefly because I don't have very much time and I want to be um, sensitive to people's schedule. And I want to talk to you about the uncommon covenant between the white hairs and the long hairs. There is a generation on the earth right now that is not defined by demographics but by the single-mindedness of sustaining the flame. When I talk about generations, I'm not talking about mostly like when you hear somebody talking about generations, they're talking about Gen Z, Gen W, um, you know, do the alphabet, W-U. <laughs> Millennials, baby boomers, 
When I'm talk when when I when I talk to you about a about a generation that is on this earth, I'm talking about the generation, all of us included. Because I don't want it be something if, if if the next move of God did not depend on demographics. Come on, that that is too good. Come on, you guys are. It cannot, it cannot. Come on, we can't limit God to demographics. We can't, we can't. You know what? I, I, I'm not here, they call me the pop. They call me the dad of the, of, of the ministry, or one of the dads of the ministry. And, and, and I'm not here to steward something. I'm, re- I'm really not. I'd rather just jump in, feet first into the river, and get wet, and get rowdy, and get wild, and get raw, and get real with everybody else. You, you can assign somebody else to steward. I want to jump in with everybody. And nothing gives me more joy than to see the gray hairs jumping up and down with the long hairs. Yeah. Not defined by demographics, by, by the single-mindedness of sustaining the flame. It is, a, it is a generation of such prophetic significance that it is vastly misunderstood until it produces fruit that cannot be denied. God has always refused to be married to man's system. When we get done creating our own doctrine, God will still have his doctrine. He won't change it for anybody. I hope you guys are getting this. The church for too long has been trying to move with the flows of culture because it is too hard and demanding to its followers to bend the knee to the truth that is revealed in scriptures. It has never been the intention of God that the Bible be bent to fill the culture, to fit the culture. The culture must be bent to fit the Bible. That is God's plan. And in our attempt, in the church, I am afraid that in the church's attempt to be culturally relevant, they have, they, they, have let, they have allowed things to come in that is not according to God's doctrine. I told you it was going to be a hard word. I ain't got time. I don't play. No, I don't. I quit school because they had recess. Judges, the third chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if when you have to, for, uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you what it basically what is. I'm going to do an overview of it. Judges, the third chapter is when, and starting with verse 12, was it verse 12? Yeah, starting with verse 12 all the way to verse 30. When you, when you get home, write that down in your notes. Type it in on your phone. Write it on your palm of your hand. Uh, please don't put it on your forehead. Um, it's the story of a, of, of a deliverer. The, 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 the nation of Israel had, 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 been, had been going through this cycles of dysfunction if, if, if you read if you read the, the the book of judges it's like you know they did evil in the sight of the lord and god raised up a deliverer and then it said they had peace for so many years x x number of years and it says that they did evil and and, and then the lord raised up another deliverer and it goes on and 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 on how quickly we forget our deliverances God will give the church a revival and, and, and we'll hold the revival. And we don't know how to sustain a revival, Mark, because we really, really don't. Uh, 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 the, 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 historically, historically, at best, a revival has a, a seven to eight year shelf life. And we forget, we quickly forget what God had, the flame that God had, had, had lit into our hearts. And, 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 and we, were, we were ablaze when God was revived. I'm going to tell you right now, revival is not the best thing that God has for the church. I'm going to try this side. Revival is not the best thing that God has for the church. 
That's better. They're, they're outdoing you guys. I don't know what's going on. Come on, Ty. Come on. Because revival is something that God has to revive because it's been dead. And we have to get out of this cycle. We have to get the church out of this cycle where it goes from backslidden to frontslidden, from backslidden to frontslidden, from backslidden to front. And we have to learn how to sustain the flame of God. And, I, and, and, and if that's a pipe dream for me, leave me alone and don't try to talk me out of it. I believe this. This is so burning in my heart. I want to see a move of God that goes like the, blood, like the Bible says that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. Ehud was the judge that God raised up because the Moabites had taken control over Israel. The, Moab, the nation of the, of the Moabites was a, as a result of an incestual relationship when Job and his older daughter had relations. Go read the story. It's in Genesis. Let me talk to you men. Let me talk to you fathers. Don't ever, don't ever let these words come out of your mouth. Well, my little secret sin, this little sin, this little thing that I'm doing over here on the side, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's not hurting anybody because nobody knows about it. You know, there, there's a Hebrew word for that, and I'm going to teach it to you, okay? All right, repeat after me. Ba, ba low, low, knee. That's right, baloney. Your secret sin, because one generation's dysfunction becomes another generation's bondage. And they had a king. The Bible says he was fat. He was a fat king. Eglon, king of the Moabs. How did he become fat? Well, the nation of Israel, because he sat in his throne unmolested for years, 12 years. And the nation of Israel will bring tribute to them. Every time Israel got an increase, they would bring tribute to the king, Eglon. And you fatten your devil when you give to that devil the time that belongs to God. You, you, you. <laughs> I'm going there. I'm <laughs> Your time on social media is a waste of time. I ain't got nothing against, I call it face space, fake book, because they're not really your friends, they're fake friends. Right? People, the youth used to always tell me, hey, Pastor Tommy, you got to get on Facebook to see what your friends are doing. The friends that I have are friends. I don't have to get, I don't have to get in Facebook to see what they're doing. They're friends. <laughs> Having said that, I will say this. God is going to use Facebook to prove to you you did have time to pray. To prove to you, you did have time to read your Bible. Watch how, all I'm saying, just watch how you spend your time. Watch what, <laughs> prayer is important, men. Prayer is important. If Jesus prayed, you know, Jesus, it blows my mind. Jesus prayed. What did he have to pray about? Right, because if you take out in my prayer life, I'm not talking about you all because I'm in here with all of Jesus' first cousins. I know that. 
But in my life, if you take out, I'm sorry, I repent, I'll never do it again, there goes 80% of my prayer life. Jesus didn't have to pray that. But why did he pray? If Jesus, who didn't have to repent, didn't have to confess sin, prayed, how most important, how, how important is this for us men to go into the prayer closet and let God change us? He went up on the mountain, and it was such a significant prayer that Moses and Elijah were there. And the Bible says that when he came down, his whole, his whole outside was radiating with light. We, we, we come into church, and we expect something to come on us to change what's going on on the inside, and it's the other way around. We got to let something go on on the inside, and that'll change what's going on on the outside, and that will only happen through time in prayer. You can't read your Bible enough to make up for the fact that you don't pray. You can't worship enough to make up for the fact that you don't pray. You can't go to enough conferences to make Make up for the time that you don't pray. You've got to pray. That's where God is going to mark you. God is not going to mark you on the stage holding a microphone. God will mark you in the secret place. It's one of the revelations of circumcision. God marks you in the secret place. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I'm running out of time. Ehud, he that praises. The word, the name Ehud means he that praises. And a long time ago, a very anointed worship leader told me that praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. I mean, think about it. What pastor, Tyler, what pastor, you're, going, you're getting ready to go fight the Afghanistans and you send your worship team in front instead of your warriors? Who does? I mean, unless you just don't like your worship team, I guess. <laughs> that works. All right, let's raise up another one. And what we do here for an hour, maybe sometimes a little bit more hour, is not a futile exercise. We are birthing a deliverance that cannot come unless the people are ready to praise him. Ehud, he who praises. And the Bible says there's something very, very interesting about Ehud. It says that Ehud was left-handed and that he was from the tribe of Benjamin problematic because Benjamin means son of my right hand, but he's left-handed. I know, Tyler, you're left-handed, right? Yeah. <laughs> I saw you at school writing oh. up, up on that. Yeah. Anybody else left-handed in here? You don't have, no one has to teach you how to be left-handed. Just don't let the church try to teach you how to be right-handed. Mm, 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 mm. And, and, and God and God has right-handed generations in our midst, okay? And they're different, and they don't look like us, and they don't worship like us, and their hair is long, and they got hair all over their face, and they got they got different color hair, and they've got ink on their arms and on their legs, but they're left-handed. Try that. The mistake the church is making is that they are trying to make left-handed into right-handed because they don't know how to handle the left-handed. They're unique. They're awkward. They're different. But they're left-handed. My, my, my dad, who played semi-pro baseball, used to tell me when he started playing baseball way back in the days, he said that he had friends that were left-handed that wanted to play baseball, but they didn't, the, the, the coaches, they didn't have any gloves that would fit left-handed, so they try to make them right-handed. And the church has been doing that for too long. We don't know how to equip the left-handed, so we try to make them like us.
I've, uh, that, that same Hebrew word keeps coming up, baloney. <laughs> your strength is in your uniqueness. But don't get me wrong, being left-handed does not give you permission to be rebellious and to not submit to authority. Mm -mm -mm. Because the Bible says that he was left-handed and he formed, he, he made himself a dagger. What a tragedy. He had to make himself a dagger. Later on in, um, see if I can find, yeah. You can read it later. First uh, Samuel 13, verses 17 through 19. It says that the Philistines made sure that Israel did not have any blacksmith. So that way they couldn't make spears and they couldn't make swords. Israel had a king, his name was Saul. Israel had a prophet, his name was Samuel. And the Philistines were not, not afraid of the nation of Israel because they had a king and a prophet. They were not afraid of the nation of Israel because they didn't have any blacksmith. So God, what is God expecting to, uh, 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 out of leaders in these days? The, 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 God is expecting the leaders not to, be, not, not to be so anxious to hold a microphone, not to be so anxious to build a big ministry and to have a lot of flowers, uh, followers on, on, on Instagram or, or, or I don't even know what that, TikTok, is that, is that, I don't know. I'm not on any of that stuff, so forgive me. I'm too old for that. I told you, I only got 50 more years. I ain't got time to waste. <clears throat> God is expecting the next generation of leaders to stand in a hot, dry, dirty place and beat out the weapons that is going to equip the next generation, the left-handers. He had to make himself a dagger. But long hairs, you're not, left-handed long hairs, you're not off the hook. If you can't find anybody, then make yourself your own dagger. Instead of saying, you know what, they never asked me to sing, they never asked me to participate, and, and, and they have their favorites, and I'm not one of them, make yourself a dagger. Go to your house, lock, your, lock yourself in your bedroom, put on some worship music, and get in a hot place where you and God can make yourself a dagger. In closing, I want to point out this one thing. He took, he fashioned himself a dagger. And he took it to the king. And the Bible says that he stuck it in the king's stomach. And he couldn't pull it out because the fat folded around the blade. And his entrails fell out. This is in the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Quit getting on televisions. Try to see what the Kardashians are doing. And trying to figure out who the next bachelor is going to pick. Come on. Do me a favor. Get a life. Is that okay? Is that, is that all right, Tyler? Hey. It's like toothpaste. You can't put it back in. <laughs> Before he did that, though, it says something very interesting. He put the dagger, a left-handed man put the dagger on his right thigh. Without going through a lot of, you can do the research. When uh, Abraham sent his servant, what was his servant's name? Y'all remember? Eliezer, remember that? Sent him to go find a wife for his son. He said, put, put your hand under my thigh. When Israel was dying, he told Joseph, put your hand under my thigh and swear to me you won't, you, you, you won't bury me in Egypt because the thigh represents a place of covenant. And, 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 and growing up, he would see the, the, the leaders and the fathers of, 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 of the generation that was growing up before him. He would see them 
putting their dagger on their right thigh because they were of the tribe of Benjamin and they were right-handed. So he wanted to honor them and bring the, and put the dagger in the place of covenant, covenant and honor the, 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 the men and the women that had gone before him. He wanted to honor them because, you know, left-handed long hair, you're going to have to make yourself uncomfortable. Because my wife can attest to this. I've, I've watched enough westerns, uh, John Wayne movies, rifleman movies to know that, you know, it's a whole lot. If you're left-handed, it's a whole lot faster to do this than to do this. This is uncomfortable. But he made himself uncomfortable. And you have to honor. You have to honor the places where your fathers come from. Proverbs 22, 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have said. The word ancient is the word olam. What is hidden, especially hidden time. Landmark, gibul, a twisted cord from, from the word gabal, to twist or to weave. Do not remove the ancient those that are hidden. We might not be in the forefront. We might not be sitting all in the front row, but we're hidden. And there's hidden wisdom in the, in, in the long hairs. I mean, I'm sorry. And the gray hairs. My case, no hairs. <laughs> my favorite scripture. Can you put that scripture, Leviticus 13 up? That's my favorite scripture. That's my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> I'm just kidding. A twisted cord. Maybe that's what um, the Bible is meant to say when it says a three-strand cord is not easily broken. Because Pastor Tyler in the, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the school had been teaching us about that scarlet thread. And, 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 and if we have the long hairs and the left-handed long hairs and the gray hairs and they're twisted with that third thread, that scarlet thread, and, 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 and a three-strand cord cannot be broken. It's not easily broken is what the Bible says. We got to work together. No one gets left behind. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. They're, they're raising up watchmen to stand on the wall. Can we get the worship team to come up? I'm, I'm going to close. And I got one more thing to do, and then I'm going to turn it over to, I guess, Pastor, Pastor Tyler. Okay. Just want to think. I want you to think about what I've been sharing with you about that uncommon covenant between the long hairs and the gray hairs and if God has been touching you and God has ministered to you in this time I'm going to ask and this might be unorthodox and this might be not the way you see or you're used to seeing things done in an altar call but I really really felt led to do this Pastor Tyler I really do <clears throat> If you're, if you're a gray hair and you're at least, if you're over 35 years old, I'm going to ask you if God touched you and if God spoke to you about the uncommon common covenant, I want you to come and stand on this side of the stage. And if you're a long hair, left-handed, different, awkward, I want you to stand on this side of the stage. If God is calling you, don't come because, you know, somebody's uh, trying to talk you into it. Just come. Come if God is calling you. Thirty-five and under over here. Thirty-five and older over here on this side. As the band plays, sings, whatever they're going to do up there. I'm going to give you a couple of more minutes to come down. 
Ask the Lord if he wants you to come down here. Because we're going to do something very unique, very strange, very different. When everybody that thinks that they needs to be down here comes down here. I'm going to ask the... the prayer warriors, the intercessors to come down. If, if you're not standing at this stage right now uh, and stand behind these that are here, can we, can we get this moved? According to what I, the word that I gave you this morning, I want you to take another step, actually a few more steps. And I want you to step up here and walk up to the middle. And you left-handed long hairs, step up and walk to the middle. Let's do that now. Come on. And I'm going to ask that you look at the person across from you. And even if you want to go over there and lay hands on them and pray, whoever God puts you on your heart and pray for each other and make a covenant with each other that you will not have to equip yourself. I will beat out the swords and the spears and take this. God told me to make this for you. And to make a covenant with the one on the other side of you and say, I will submit to authority. I will honor you for your sacrifices. I will honor you for your faithfulness to the Lord. Please pray for me. So I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Tyler. You guys do as the Holy Spirit leads, okay? Thank you. Yeah, let's just pray. I, I feel like what, what Pastor Tommy is hitting at is that to, to sustain revival, it's gonna take all of us, not just some of us. And even in this church, please don't not hear what we're, don't hear what we're not saying. When we pray for Gen Z and we say it's gonna happen when Gen Z, that means anybody who's a baby boomer is just gonna get looked past by the Lord. No, 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 no. Gen Z is going to be brought in, is gonna be a part of what God is doing, but it's gonna take every single person playing their part. And so I wanna encourage everybody here today that your voice matters. If you hear anything from this morning, it's this, your voice matters and you have oil with the Lord. You have history with Him. You have spent time with Him and we need that time. We need that oil that you've been producing, the pressing and crushing in your life, whether you're 15 or whether you're 75. So right now, let's just begin to pray. Raise your hands all across the room. We're just going to pray, even if you're not down here, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to knit us together because in order to sustain the revival that's coming, we need every single person. So in the name of Jesus, we ask right now, Father, for you to knit us together in cross-generational ministry. Father, every single person, no one left behind, that we would pull on the anointings of those who have been on the earth for years and years and years. And Lord, we would pull on the fire and anointing of those who have been here for only a couple years, Father. The, those who've only just met you and those who have walked with you for years. In the name of Jesus, knit us together, Father. Knit us together, God. In the name of that we would be able to receive and pull on one another. I call forth mothers and fathers in the spirit right now. Mothers and fathers in the spirit. And I rebuke the lie that you are, your time has come and gone and that what you have is not applicable. I rebuke the lie that no one wants to hear. I've heard so many people who are seasoned in the faith say nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I rebuke that lie right now in the name of Jesus. You have gold. Take it from someone who is younger. I need your gold refined by fire. I need your gold about my marriage, about my children, about my relationship with Jehovah. I need it. In the name of Jesus, I break the lie that your voice does not matter. 
name of Jesus. And I feel like there's a lie over the younger generation that you feel like all the older generation is just angry at you. They hate the way you dress. They hate the way you look. And listen, older generation, if you feel that way, get over it. Get over it. Get over it. And younger generation, I pray you would push past the uncomfortableness and you would press into relationship. You would walk up to people and say, hey, can you mentor me? Can we get coffee? In the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of rejection off both generations. In the name of Jesus, right now, we pray for unity, unity, unity. In the name of Jesus. Paul says, you've had many teachers, but few fathers. I have become a father to you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we right now, we call forth spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers right now that you would come and you would grab hold of younger people in the spirit and you would walk through them, walk with them right now in the name of Jesus. Spiritual sons, spiritual daughters in the name of Jesus.